0: welcome to another episode of live from the blue seats i'm your host rob joined by the original live from the blue seats crew both becky and dave are here Uh, JL is behind the virtual glass, but won't be hearing from him this week. He, he probably will be back on the show next week. Uh, but we have quite a bit to talk about here on this week's edition of the podcast. Rangers are obviously on a tear lately and are getting ready to play, uh, in a game that may uh, end up determining second place in the, in the metropolitan division and home ice in the first round against the devils. That will be later tonight. If you're listening to this podcast, when it drops on. Thursday morning. But the real news that we want to start with, of course, is uh, what broke about three hours or so two two and two and a half, three hours before we hopped on to record this podcast, which was Philippe Edel signing a four year extension with the Rangers. So we're going to get into the details of that and, and you know, uh, probably the unanimously uh, good opinions that surround it. But first, Dave, it's been a while. Uh, good to have you back. How you doing, man?
1: I am good. I am thoroughly enjoying what i'm seeing on the ice at least in periods two and three going forward (laughs) but no i'm pretty good how about you guys it's been a while becky welcoming you in how's how's it going
2: you know going good going good just kind of getting shit done almost through my busy busy time of work and you know that has nothing to do with that has nothing to do with hockey, but probably something to do with the fact that I'll be more consistently on this pod for a while, at the very least. So, that well, hey, listen, point.
0: I think it's fair to say the Rangers are also getting shit done. They are, <laughs> you know, kind of. Yeah. They're, I believe, they're seven, eight, one and one in their last ten. I, I honestly didn't even look at it, but you know, they're kind of. Uh, other than when they play the Hurricanes, it seems they're pretty much blowing teams out. You know, they they seem to have this ability to 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 just score five six goals a game and you know a lot of that you can say you know is it shooting percentage luck is it kind of the you know the tables turning from earlier in the year but I think a lot of it is is the talent that they brought in and the, the confidence with which they're all starting to play so we're going to get to how that to how they're playing and kind of you know w- what the uh outlook is for you know again the the game later tonight against the devils as well as the remainder of the regular season but let's start with the headline right so philipedal signs a four-year extension with the Rangers. Uh, I believe the average annual value is just a shade over $4.4 million a year. So that is a reasonable with a capital R contract. And I think, you know, Becky, I'll start with you. Uh, What's the vibe check on on this extension?
2: I mean, they're tremendous. Just just beyond tremendous vibes right now. Like there's nothing, it's wasn't expecting it. So like, let's like chalk one up for that because it's always exciting when you get like unexpected news. Um, so there's that. And it is way under <laughs> what you should be paid. I mean, like I can't even imagine any bad day. What is he's 23 years old and we're going to have him for four more years. Okay. So you're going to set him up for a really big deal. Right. But that's totally fine. Like it's not, this isn't a bridge deal. This is four years. This is you have four years that you can win and like be a dynasty even it's amazing and in four years I think all the no move clauses come off anyway so like fall off anyway so that's you know you could keep him but like let's just look at the next four years before we get too ahead of ourselves which is really exciting
0: Dave, how about from your perspective? What, what do you think of the move overall and how it fits into things moving forward, which I know that we got some questions about that as well, but just, um, you know, Becky mentioned it's, it's, there is kind of a
1: four-year plan
0: and it, it pretty well aligns with uh, Mika's Zibanejad and Vincent Trocheck's primes
1: as well. It's uh, this deal is nothing short of a masterclass. And I gotta admit Drury has been doing very well. he, clearly has some issues with depth moves, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to try that one over again. <laughs> he has some issues with some depth moves, but he nails the big ticket stuff. And Heedle was a unique case. He was going to be an unrestricted free agent at 25 years old. Right. Could you imagine him hitting unrestricted free agency at 25 years old with the way he's playing with – just this, uh, the way he drives play, the points he's putting up. He's putting up two C numbers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: playing three C, and when you have a third line center like Philip Fucking Hedl, what teams can match that center depth? And this is long term too. You got Zibanejad, Trocek, who is wildly underappreciated, and Hedl one two three. This is as close you can get. To and I'm probably going to get laughed at for this one. As close as you can get to Crosby, Malkin, Stall, which was absurd. Crosby and Malkin are obviously the Rangers aren't going to hit that ceiling, but I do happen to think Heedle at this age does more on the ice than Stall does, or Stall did, I should say. Yeah, oh, no, I, I would agree with that. Nominal deal and. Well, you got thirteen twelve point three seven million per cap friendly left to sign Lafreniere and Miller, and then figure out what you're doing with what I guess Mikola, a backup goalie, and Tarasenko.
2: Hmm. Tarasenko.
1: Yeah, and obviously,
0: you know, <laughs>
1: the, what
0: what I think is is interesting about this, and you, you've both kind of already started. To touch on it, but it speaks to, and this is why I think Troy has done a phenomenal job as well, Dave. And, you know, um, sure, we can quibble with some of the depth moves, but I think, you you know, GMs are ultimately defined by, you know, are they advancing uh, the the uh, agenda in terms of making the team a contender? Are they extending that window? Right? And is there uh, a plan for sustainability pl- in place or even succession in place? Right? So when your current core ages out, you have a new crop of players coming up behind it. And you do that by, you know, keeping young players around and signing them to reasonable contracts, you know, continuing to draft well and not sacrificing all of your draft picks. You know, when you go in, when you go all in at these trade deadlines. And that's what I think is so remarkable. And and what is starting to maybe put Drury in that, you know, upper echelon of NHL GMs um, where there is very clearly a win now strategy with going all in on Tarasenko, all in on Kane. They're prioritizing, you know, that Stanley Cup experience too when they go out and try to find these players, bringing back Tyler Mott even, right? So um, there's clearly a win-now component, a win-now strategy, but there is also succession planning, right? You can see the plan, not just the one-year plan or the two-year plan, but the five- or six-year plan coming into focus where they are – Going to transition from you know the Mika Panarin Kreider core to the potential you know Keandre Miller Kapo Kako, Alexi Lafreniere Filippedal core supplemented by uh, or complemented by I should say what Brennan Offman or Adam Sikora or Matthew Rob, Robertson when he comes up right so there are, there are guys in line behind the current group that they haven't had to give up at any of these trade deadlines. And that's why you know I know people were upset about you know Vitaly Krasov kind of becomes collateral damage if you will with all the machinations that they had to go through to get Kane, but there is very clearly a sustainability plan in place here. And there were look, we know how Ranger Twitter is, and it it is it's pretty annoying, uh, and it and it's very self uh, defeating, uh, you know. At times, there were an awful lot of people who were openly worrying for f- have, and have been for a couple of years now that, well, you know, essentially the Barkley Goodrow contracts m- contract means you're not going to be able to keep Philip Hiedel. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to, and even bringing in Vincent Trocek, right. That means you're not going to be able to keep Heedle. They should have, they should have signed a cheap three C for this season and promoted Heedle to the two C and kept that contract space clear. And what Drury has shown is, that wasn't the case. You know, they were able to keep him. Um, they were able to get Vincent Trocheck, excuse me, and now they're able to keep Filipito on a reasonable year, reasonable four-year deal, excuse me, that buys a couple of years of un- unrestricted free agency. So, yeah, Dave, I mean, one of the other things I wanted to ask you is, you know, the structure and and the way this contract works, right? You know, they are paying, as Becky said, like pretty well under market value for this type of player. who's Far under market scoring. value. Far yeah, the 21 goals. Value. Yeah,
1: So I think Hockey Miner is the one that did the legwork on this, so I don't want to take credit for it. He said uh, – no, it was actually Luker. I'm sorry. It was Luker. Uh, he said that Evolving Hockey had him at about a $3.76 million average last summer before you tack on the points and the play driving from this year, which put him at close to a $7.6 million valuation. I know it sounds like we're talking about a company here, but mm-hmm. <laughs> 7.6 million was more or less what his market value would have been. And he took well under that. And I honestly wonder if he is looking at, you know, Laughing and Kako and saying, I want to play with these two for a long time. I'm willing to take a little bit less now so we can fit them in the short term and we'll get the bag later once, you know, Panarin, Kreider, and... Truba and Truba are the ones that are gone after that.
0: Yeah. Um, And Becky, let's talk about kind of what's going on with the kid line too. And that kind of segues us in a little bit to just kind of the way the Rangers have been playing lately. And, you know, the, the sort of that game against Florida last weekend where, you know, the rest of the lineup really couldn't do much, but the kid line carries them to victory. All three of them score. Um, I have been pretty vocal on, you know, personally about like maybe breaking it up is the best thing to do for the team, but I think Dave, you bring up a great point there that there is legitimate chemistry and camaraderie there. So, um, yeah, just thoughts on the kid line.
2: I mean, I think what's important, excuse me, I'm like randomly losing my voice. <clears throat>
0: Welcome I think to puberty.
2: <laughs> I think what's important about the kid line the way it is is you need, they. I feel as though they have the confidence now because they have, first of all, the experience playing together for a lot of the year and secondly they have playoff experience now so you don't need to break them up but if you do break them up it's not the end of the world and i think what's also really important is that you have now i know like i probably say this all the time but you have like you have four functional lines at this point right so you can roll at any time four lines out but you can roll three like legitimate goal scoring lines out at this point so it's not like I think we were all really proud of them because they're the kid line and that's how we think of them but like they were able to pick up the like top like the first two lines when they couldn't do shit was at Carolina and we were all like oh my gosh like this is this is why you have like a really good third line And I think it just reminds me, obviously reminds me of 2014 because of course it does, but just to be able to have like, if you can roll out three scoring lines, you're fucking dangerous. Like you can't defend against that kind of depth and that's legitimate scoring depth. That's not just like, oh, we have like some defensive depth the way that, you know, I think sometimes we like to trick ourselves into thinking like our teams are better than they are, but we have a legitimately really deep scoring hockey team right now.
0: Yeah. I'm remembering back to, uh, after the Florida game, uh, Patrick Kane gave an interview and he, he has given a lot of interviews. You know, he's one of those guys that is out there pretty much after every game. Obviously there's a lot more, uh, desire to talk to him as well, because he's a star player and he's a new player. And look, we had the discussion when, when they first signed, when they first traded for him about, you know, people were questioning his character and, and obviously all the, for the right reasons and, and the office stuff that has been well chronicled. But one of the things we said, Dave and, and Becky, and I think you'd agree is that we knew he'd be good in the locker room. And, and the reason I bring this up is right after that Florida game, he gave a quote that basically said, like, I'm so impressed by those three kids. And he said to the point where he's like, maybe I need to get on the ice with them because they always go out early and work on stuff together. And I mean, to get that type of compliment, think about what that means too. Cause you know that Heedle and Lafreniere and Kako would have heard him say that Um, think about what it means to those three players to have a a guy of Patrick Kane's, you know, uh, caliber, a hockey, you know, surefire first ballot hall of famer uh, say about them. Right. And, and, but also what does that tell you about the confidence that the rest of the team has in them? Right. So to your point, Becky, this isn't just like what it was, I think early last year, when they first put it together, it was probably middle or end of last year where, Oh, this is kind of like a fun experiment, right? This is, uh, something that, um, you know, it's, it's cute if it works, it, you know, in a, in a regular season game against Columbus, but you know, uh, all of a sudden they become a legitimately dominant force and, and they will get the soft matchups because I don't think any coach that the Rangers play against is going to be crazy enough to, to put his top players against the kid line and, and leave, you know, his third line exposed to either, you know, Zabanajad and Panarin or, or Trocek and Kreider and Kane, if that's what they stay with. So, yeah. um. Just, like,
2: yeah. to to rewind, too, like, yeah, they all heard him say that. All the kids heard Kane say that. And I think is it Lafreniere, who his favorite player growing up was Kane?
0: They all said yep. he was at one point. They yeah. all, they get, like, in different interviews, have all said, like, yep. Patrick Kane was my favorite player growing up. Can
2: yeah. you imagine how incredible that must be? I mean, and we all know, like, I have feelings about Patrick Kane, the human being, so I don't even want to, like, resurface that. But, like, for a – and they are. They're, they're kids. Like, Heedle's 23.
1: Heedle's the oldest. He's the oldest of the three. And he's, been,
2: well, he's been playing on the... This is a fifth season? Fourth season? Fifth season?
1: Fifth season. Like... Yeah, fifth season. He's been here forever.
2: Like, insane. But he's still 23. What the hell were you guys doing when you were 23? I was blacked out for most of that year. I'm going to be <laughs> um
1: I was blacked out with you for most of that year. I was more or less the one promoting your drinking at that point. So, yeah.
2: Just, like... I can't even imagine if, like, my like role model, you know, professionally, I mean, I didn't have a professional role model, but a (laughs) different, very different career choice. So um, I would have blacked out if I heard that, like not only had the opportunity to, to be working with this person, but also to hear them say that like, they are really impressed essentially by like the work ethic. I mean, that's incredible. And that also tells you a lot about the kids that their work ethic is that good. I don't know. It's very exciting.
1: So I want to point out two things from what you said, Becky. Uh, all about the depth and the scoring that the kid line brings and that this team has. So I'm looking at just raw points. The Rangers have two players over a point per game, Panarin and Zibanejad. They can uh, they're not going to get to a hundred points, but they'll flirt with it. Adam Fox is three plus four is seven points shy of a point per game mm-hmm. Tarasenko and Kane are obviously much far fewer games but they are around the same point per game pace as Fox since they joined the Rangers then yep. you get Trocek who's going to hit 60 points this year he's at 59 you got Kreider with 30 goals and 50 points you got Hedel with 20 goals and 42 points the the kid line is the next three. So, uh, sorry, you got Keandre Miller who's having a ridiculous season. Then you got yeah, the done. kid line, basically. Yep. And then your fourth line, well, two-thirds of the fourth line, Goodrow and Vizi, each have 10 goals and will flirt with 30 points. Jacob Truba will hit 30 points. Ryan Lindgren will hit, tw- uh, maybe not will, he has to play. If Ryan Lindgren were playing, he'd hit 20 points. Braden Schneider may hit 20 points. This is absurd. When was the last time we had a Rangers team like this?
0: It's it's hard to remember, right? Because there have obviously been great individual seasons. As a matter of fact, Dave, I, I, I got to say it. I bet if you pull up the 93-94 team, that will surprise you, right? Because the the guy who led them in scoring that year was Sergey Zubov. I think he had 86 points, right? So that's an all time great team. Yeah, it was team. Zubov. Yeah, Paul of Famers, uh, you know, out the wazoo. And you'd figure, oh, Messier must have had like 100 something points that year. or Leach had one of his 95. Nope. No, it was Zubov. But Leach, Graves, Messier, you know, all those guys. I think Steve Larmer had a big year. Um, you know, uh, I have it up here. Uh, Alexei um, Kovalev, right? So. I bet you it's a a similar spread in terms of points per game where where they don't have a bunch of guys who are over one point per game or one guy who had a 150-point season, but it's a nice even spread down the lineup.
1: So it's an 84-game season that year. Zubov, 89 points. Yeah, that was weird. The 84-game season was weird. Zubov and Messier were the only two above a point per game. Graves had 79-84. and Leach had 79-84. and Larmer had 60 points, so he's your Trocek, I guess, Yep. Kovalev listed as a center for some reason here. Um, <laughs> twenty goals, fifty-six points. Teekinen, twenty goals, fifty-four points. Gartner was traded; doesn't count. Sergey Nemchinov had twenty goals and forty-nine points. Sergey fucking go. Nemchinov, third Fourth liner, liner. Though, very right, third liner.
0: liner. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, kind of third four. Yeah, they you know they really scrambled the bottom six. I think back then you know it was kind of a matchup, uh, more yeah, of fair. a matchup thing. But he was he was playing, I think, like third line minutes in the playoffs. You know, either either way though. Um, that he was a, like you said, he was a pure depth player, right? I mean, he was, and he was not there for his offense and he had a a 50 plus point season.
1: Yep. The Rangers, this is probably the deepest offensive talented team. That wasn't an English sentence, but whatever, since that year. And like Becky said, having the kid line as your third line is shades of Puglia, Broussard, Zuccarello, where. That line will beat teams because you can't match up your best players against them and then let Panarin, Tarasenko, Kane, Kreider, Zapanajad beat you because that would just be terrible coaching. You have to let the kid line beat you, and right now they will. Those kids yeah, circles and, around you.
0: Yeah, and don't sleep on the fourth line. As as you said, Becky, I mean, you know, Tyler Mott, I think, had three goals in three games in a row or three goals in four games Goodrow and BZ are both capable of chipping in. So you no, know, this is certainly a dangerous, you know, offensive team. They've got some issues in the defensive zone, but they're not a complete train wreck, at least by the, by the stats. And then Igor's been Igor the last three weeks. And we all know that that kind of is a prerequisite for any success. The Rangers may have this, uh, this coming spring. So, um, let's talk a little bit about this evening's game coming up tonight. The Rangers are playing at the rock, their final meeting of the year against the devil's uh, the Devils have won two of the first three, and the stakes are pretty simple. The winner of the game will be in second place in the Metropolitan Division, with I believe it what it would be seven games remaining. Um, so it certainly won't decide second in the division, and, and you know, frankly, first place is still within range for both teams. But this game certainly will go a long way towards home ice advantage in that in that first round, and and it's almost certainly will serve as as a playoff preview of Rangers Devils. So I mean, Becky, I'll simply ask you. How do you feel going into this game against the devil's team that has been lauded across the league for how, you know, great and, and, uh, and, and dynamic and fun. And, you know, they've kind of been the fun story of the year, similar to what the Rangers were last year. How do you feel going into this game?
2: I feel confident. Um, I feel like I'm not worried and usually that worries me, but I'm not even worried that I'm not worried. If that makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, like, I think, look, I I could be completely wrong and God fucking strike me dead, please. Like I will die. But if they win the Stanley cup this year, but like, okay, I can just,
1: we, can we make this like a little bit happier or not? Like if they win, I'm going to get struck by lightning.
2: I mean, I'm not going to get struck. By
1: Good lightning, Lord. But,
2: but I'm just saying Lord. like, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. I'm very much like a big per. like a big, I believe in jinxing and whatever. So whatever, like, but i'm not i'm not scared of them and i don't want to turn around and be like i just don't see it happening and then all of a sudden we all see it happening but like <laughs> like i'm just not they just seem a little um like young and a little like not like wild is a weird word but let's just use it here and they're under the tutelage of fucking lindy Ruff. so let's all calm down for a second um, I think that they're going to do well. I think that if they don't beat the Devils, we need to not all freak the fuck out. But like we are now pressuring them. And I think that's important. And it's a nice position to be in. Um, every, single, every single podcast I talk about being a Met fan. And I got to tell you, it was really fucking annoying last year to like always be seeing the Braves in your rear view mirror like consistently. And it's kind of nice to be like, Hey, we are the Rangers. We're in your review. We're going to be your opponents in the playoffs, like ninety nine percent. And the Rock's going to be like MSG West. So just fucking get ready. Like, yep. I don't. I don't I, know. I'm not really afraid.
1: So I want to point out some stats here that are interesting. Remember how vaunted the Devils' offense was at the beginning of the year? Yes,
0: very much so. They were putting up historic numbers in terms of you know pure output, but also. Chances, expected goals, all that stuff. It was pretty ridiculous the first 15, 20 games.
1: So in terms of just – I'm not looking at fancy stats. I'm just looking uh, at goals for, goals against. Mm -hmm. Devils, 257 goals for. Rangers, 253. Yep. 206 goals against. Devils, 200 for the Rangers. Carolina, 241 goals for, 192 goals against. The Rangers – and keep in mind, the Rangers didn't really have an offense until, what, December?
0: January? <laughs> yeah, late late December, early January yeah. is what I would say.
1: And, and listen, the, the Canes or the Devils can beat the Rangers in a seven-game series. Do I think it will happen? We'll talk about that later. Um, they can. They're fully capable of it. But in terms of well-rounded teams built for the playoffs – The Rangers are that team. They may not have had the regular season success, but they are the team that is well-rounded and built for the playoffs. Yeah,
0: Dave, I mean, you called it out, but really quickly, tell tell me the math. What's the, I believe the Rangers have now a better goal difference than both teams, than both Carolina and New Jersey, right?
1: Yep. Rangers 53, Devils 51, Carolina 49. The Bruins 117. Right. Holy shit! Yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's, Well, obviously the Bruins are, are on are on a planet of their own, but but no, I think the Rangers have the second best goal differential now in the Eastern Conference.
1: 117 goal differential.
0: Yeah, I have but, but, never
1: but, seen that in my life. A three digit goal differential. That is that is pretty remarkable.
0: No, but 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 I I think I was looking at the standings earlier and I noticed just that that I was like, holy shit! Wait, the Rangers actually have the second best goal difference right now. Look. That includes empty net goals. And I know there's all sorts of, you know, yeah. there's all sorts of caveats, but, you know, that's, it's one stat, right? No, no single stat tells the whole story, but the Rangers have this push that they've been on, right? They started 11, 10 and five, and now they're 33, 10 and five in their last, however many games that is 48 games. Um, they have Did you just do that math in your head right there. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but no, they listen they' They are they have reintroduced themselves into the conversation as true contenders. And it doesn't matter where they finish. Like, it's very possible they'll finish with something like the sixth best record in the Eastern Conference. But anyone who looks at that and doesn't think the Rangers are, uh, or looks at that and uses that as an argument to say the Rangers aren't a contender, I think they'd be kidding themselves. Um, But no, back to this game uh, against against New Jersey on, you know, coming up here on, on Thursday night you know I, what i'd like to see the rangers do is approach it like a playoff game look this this is a very easy game to go into especially with you know look there's not that much on the line right now you know th- we know that the, the rangers are i think th- four points away from uh, or two points away now excuse me from uh solidifying at least third place meaning they can't fall into the wild card spots if they get two more points so that's pretty much assured um the devils are are already there they can't fall into the wild card spots so beyond jockeying for second or third, or maybe first, if Carolina does lose a few games in a row, the stakes aren't that high. So this is very easy. It's very easy to get into a game against, as you brought up, Becky, a Lindy rough coached team and just say, this is going to be a track meet. They play fast. We're going to try and match it. Let's trade chances for 60 minutes. And if the, if the final score is seven to five, so, so be it, who cares? I would like to see the Rangers try and commit to, a playoff style and kind of send that message to the devils. Like, no, no, no. Jack Hughes is not skating through the middle of the ice unencumbered. You're not going to just dig the puck out of the corner and find Timo Meyer flying through the slot. We're going to spend a lot of time in your end and we're going to pound your defense into the glass and, 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 you know, have, have long shifts against, against your, you know, your, all of your line, all of your lines, all of your, your players. Um, I want to see them play that playoff style game. That, that to me, more even so than the final result would be a successful game for the Rangers, right? If they can control play, basically make New Jersey, uh, you know, play the game on the Rangers terms that that's what I'm looking for in this game. And again, result result is what it is. I'm, I won't be too upset if they lose. Cause we all know the real, the real stuff starts in a few weeks, but Dave, any other thoughts on the uh, upcoming matchup with the devils? Are you, you know, are, are you, uh, really honing in on second place as a, as a, as a goal here, do you really want that second spot or, or are you kind of like Becky, like can't be bothered. The rock is MSG West anyway.
1: I am torn. I want second place. I want first place and it's within reach because Carolina's four, five and one in their last 10. The Rangers have gained eight points over the last 10 games on Carolina and they're only five back. Yeah. Carolina's got a game in hand. I think that's still doable, but I would prefer they keep everybody healthy. Home ice is not going to matter for the Rangers because they have a very even split. They're 22-12-4 at home, 22-8-6 and on the road. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where they play. They're a good team. Funny enough, the Devils have a better road record than – and the Canes have a better road record than a home record. So Interesting. Just, yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Um, I don't care – it would be nice, but it would be even nicer just to, you know, play eight games in the first two rounds and win all eight games. I'd rather have that. <laughs> yeah. And What's a healthy Ryan League. Like? What's
2: it like to not go seven games?
1: Um, that is definitely I
0: something we'll discuss in a playoff preview episode because that is what has doomed this team since they've since the modern era started, right? The post lockout one era. They have just played way too many seven game series.
1: Is that lockout one or lockout two? Because we have the 95 lockout, right? Oh, right. I guess that's lockout two.
0: I'm talking about the canceled season lockout,
1: though. Oh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Since since they've been making the playoffs consistently, you know, since the 2005-2006 season, there's way too many
1: seven-game series. That's what Kane and Tarasenko are here for, to close shit out.
0: Yeah. And, and look, I think just really briefly on those two guys, and then we'll get to the questions, but I think they've both been – really good. Tar- Tarasenko has has really shown a side to his game and uh you know a just a willingness to do everything in all three zones and do you know Sevalket actually was calling out his how physical a player he is and I don't think he had that reputation people look at him as a sniper or scorer right. He's a really physical strong three zone player and I think Kane's starting to look more and more comfortable um you know I don't know that that line with Trocheck and Kreider is is the best spot for him but you know, I also understand not wanting to keep rejiggering the top six. But uh, Becky, any quick thoughts on Kane and Tarasenko?
2: I, I don't know. I don't have any strong emotions about it. I think, like, they're good. I think I think they could both make it work. I think Kane just needed to get more comfortable, which makes perfect sense. And, like, honestly, the same with Tarasenko. You know, they he had a, a less of a, uh, I don't know, like monkey on his shoulder or whatever monkey on his back like because he scored in his first game but like you could tell like they're both you just need to adjust I mean it's two guys who've played for one team their whole career and now they're playing for another team and I think they've done a good job so I, I don't know I don't have any strong emotions about placements
0: Dave any uh any thoughts from you on Kane and Tarasenko
1: I, they're doing everything that they were brought here for. They were not meant to be the primary guys and they are doing exactly what they were brought here for secondary scoring. And how can we complain about what they're doing on the ice? I, I got nothing. They're good. Yeah. Well, the
0: funny thing is, you know, obviously the, the big concern with Kane, and this is the one point I'll make Then We'll get to questions. The big concern with Kane was obviously the defense, right? Everything that basically everything he does when the, the the puck is not on his stick. And look, there are certainly eye test wise, you know, you watch him play. He's got some lazy tendencies. He'll glide a little bit. He won't really throw his body or his stick in where you're like, Oh, maybe he could have reached for a puck there. But then you look at the end of the game, especially recently, he's usually one of the better players in terms of expected goals. If you look at some of the game score charts that come out uh, after games, he's often in the positive, uh, you know, in the positive and even in terms of his defense. So you know, as you said, Dave, what's happening on the ice, and it's almost the opposite of, of, of the way the eye test analytics debate works, right? A lot of times you see guys who are hustling and you're like, man, that guy must be really he, – he's really good. You know, he, he does all the right things, but his metrics stink. You know, Kane's kind of been the opposite since he's come to the Rangers. His, his metrics have actually been pretty good, and he, he's kind of got the scoring to, uh, to go with it. So um, – Anyway, that's it. Uh, we do want to uh, get to some questions. We we had a bunch come in, especially post uh, the heatle news. So, Becky, I think you're going to uh, take it away from here.
2: I sure am. Hold, please. Okay. So these are questions that I was cc'd on. Oh, cc Jesus fucking.
0: I know. Christ. Really bringing up oh, the wild wow, Becky. You I, really I, are, like, yeah. I,
2: folks. Folks, it's been a busy time for me. I need to stop working. Uh, I we all
1: worked. need to so we, we need the 32-hour work week. Can we have a podcast just for the 32-hour work week? Yeah, yeah, I just... Yes. Um, okay. Down.
2: So the first question is super... Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. The first question... Well, this is still a super important question. Um, is from Lou, Immortal Lou 30 with whom we need to reinstate our Shot Club first goal for the playoffs. So at Lou. i got to get at you. Um, How many teams... This is a really good question. How many teams in the playoffs, both East and West, would you pick to beat the Rangers in a seven-game series? Assume Igor is in peak form as he has been lately. It's a good question.
1: Playoff teams that can beat the Rangers in a seven-game series. All yeah. Right. I mean, look,
0: I, I feel league
1: bad league. saying I... I I'm not going to go the cop-out answer, which is anybody can win any game any seven-game series if a goalie gets hot. But it, let's assume, okay, Boston can definitely beat the Rangers.
0: Agree. Uh,
1: I don't want to uh, – I mean, listen, Carolina and the Devils can. Will they? I doubt it, but they can. Toronto can. The Islanders can. Yeah, oh, I don't agree with that. Sorokin. Is so fully you're, capable then, of stealing a series, fully.
0: But what that means, what you're saying there is that he's better than Shostakin because again, the, I think it was an important caveat from Lou. We are assuming we're getting Peak Igor in this situation. So you Shrokin's a
1: Vezina candidate this year. If it wasn't yeah, I know, for Olmark, he'd win it. Peak Igor was generational last year. Are we getting Peak? Are we get? Okay, so maybe that's where we need to. Are we talking Peak Igor right now? Or are we talking? Peak Gore last year, where he was a 940 save percentage goalie. Because I, I, the question I think says, one peak. Peak form as he has been lately. I
0: think there's only one peak. I think that's a guy at the absolute top of his game. And that would be okay. what we saw for the mo- majority of last year.
1: You don't think Sorokin can pull a full JS Giger and carry the Islanders in a seven game series? I mean, let's giving up one or two goals a game
0: he probably here's the thing he probably can't look so here let me let me go back to let me go back to it the question lou asked for a number of teams he said how many right so mm-hmm. i'm going to give you a number and then i'm going to tell you the teams that's how i'm All gonna right, approach this. i think there's right. four teams i think there's four teams out of the 16 in the field currently i'm looking at that can beat the rangers in a seven game series they I'll are go with three okay i'm gonna say they are uh Boston, Tampa Bay, Carolina, even though I, I hate saying it, but I, you know, the way they play, they can, you know, look, it was, they took them to seven games last year and that was against peak Igor. That was Igor at his best. Um, and you know, look, the Rangers went in there and, and dominated, but anything could happen in a seventh game. And then there, I think there's only one team in the West. And it's Edmonton if McDavid goes nuts, and Edmonton has been really good lately. You know, I know it's it's very it's fun to dunk on Edmonton. Um, You know, I I I think the the narrative of like you know they've 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 not done right by Connor McDavid is is largely right, but this team that they've assembled this year is pretty good, and I think if you look at their trends in terms of again underlying numbers, expected goals, they are a top three or four team in the league lately. So. Uh, and, and he may just go into God mode and not be, not be containable. So uh, let's say Edmonton from the West and then Carolina, Tampa and Boston from the Eastern conference. Those are my four. All
1: right. I'll go. So the, I'll go with Boston. Obviously I'm going to go Toronto. <laughs> I know. So keep in mind. I also think Toronto makes it to the Eastern conference uh. final. I think Toronto oh. beats Boston.
2: <laughs> Excuse me. I'm go- okay, go ahead. I,
1: I know. Listen, listen you got to win at some point. Even the Red Sox won. So you got to win at some point.
2: It took them like 100 years.
1: <laughs> I know. And Toronto's at what, sixty-seven, 70? They're somewhere around there. Oh, they I haven't won a
0: playoff series in decades. Like even a yeah. series. I mean, the Red Sox at least made some World Series here and there over the 100 years.
1: <laughs> Again, they got to win at some point. So I'm going to go Boston, Toronto, I will say Carolina only because they are just their process is so good. And then out West, I have to be different. I do agree with you on Edmonton, but I'm going to say Colorado because they are getting healthy. No. They are nine and one in their last 10. I could buy that. They are a very good team and they are the defending champs.
2: You're all pussies.
0: <laughs> Blow me. Thank you. What's your answer?
2: It's Boston and it's only Boston.
0: Okay. One team in the whole league. So you, th- you think the Rangers are, if you were uh, handicapping it in terms of betting odds, look
2: you at would the, say- they're... Look at the fucking New York Rangers. Look at them. Look at how stacked they are. And now Igor is getting back into his normal self, which is God mode.
1: Look at how stacked the 93, 94 Red Wings were playing against an expansion team. They lost in seven.
2: I, okay, but that's like the first point you made, which is I'm not going to say that any team can win any seven game series.
1: Right, but to say, "Oh, look at the Rangers. Who's going to beat them? Look at the Red Wings. Who's going to beat them?" I'm just, I'm just throwing shit out there.
2: So right? basically, like that doesn't make any sense. That goes against the beginning of the your answer. The beginning of your answer was any team can beat any team on any given seven game series, and I'm not going to say that. And then you literally just said. We'll look at the Red Wings, and they lost an expansion team in 93-94. Okay. I was
1: countering your point of look at the Rangers. I was just saying it is possible.
2: Yeah, it's possible. You were but saying if it asking, wasn't. If you're asking me probably, who, who is the what is the question? How many teams would I pick to beat the Rangers in a seven-game series? I pick one team to beat the Rangers in a seven-game series. That's okay. my answer.
0: Go for it. Love it. Great answer. All right, next. I question. can't
2: wait till we're at the fucking parade and I am just ripping on you the whole time. Right? <laughs> it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to. You be are amazing. aware that
1: I picked the Rangers to win the Cup at the on our first podcast of the season, right?
2: I'm just saying. I'm just I saying. Did. I got I receipts. I don't care. I don't care. I have receipts, and it's this fucking podcast. Next,
0: we're gonna we're gonna question. we're gonna dig up those clips from the first podcast. I think too, and and play back some of those predictions. I'll, we're going to work with
1: JL on that. Yeah, I think that I might have been a little off saying the Rangers are going to get 120 points because now I'm seeing what 120 points looks like. I might have been a little off on that one. <laughs> well, regardless. All right, next question.
2: All right, the next question. I'm saving this, the next chronological question for last because it's so good. Um, okay, so Chris, like Rob, you kind of know Chris, your brother, <laughs> uh, <Yes. at> Chris sweaty. <laughs> <Saletti. laughs> Hooray for the Hedl extension. Does it mean someone else isn't getting an extension now? And if so,
1: whoomst. Whomst among us is not getting an extension. Now, are we talking just restricted free agents or unrestricted as well?
0: I think he's referring to the, the kids, yes.
1: Laugh Laugh! and Miller, are are either one of them not getting yeah. an extension? No, they're getting extended. Kakos. Yeah, I'm I'm there too. What
2: about Kako though?
1: Kako doesn't need one until the end of next season.
2: So okay, so I read this as like further down the line, but
1: okay. Oh, oh, okay. But You're that's just how I—that's of- how I'm
2: reading it. I don't know that that's what it. Is. We right. need we need Chris to dial in right now and just give us some <laughs> clarification.
1: No, no, no. That's a good point. Let's bring it to so after so next season it's Kako. Uh, it's Kako. It's Lindgren and it's Schneider
0: okay yeah that's actually worth discussing because yeah um, yeah I mean I agree with you short answer the the immediate cap crunch the short answer is no because I think they probably will move on from likely Barkley Goodrow, but they will find a way to clear the money necessary to to make sure that they can re-sign Laff and and Miller but the year after does get interesting as you said Dave with Lindgren Kako again and Braden Schneider
1: I still think they all get re-signed Cap's supposed to go up another what five? It's caps. I'm not going to put a number on it. Cap's going to go up more than a million dollars for 24, 25, and assuming they move Goodrow and Becky. Thanks for adding on this piece to the end of the question because I like it more than just the original two guys. I think they do eventually get to a point where they can sign all three or all six. When you think about it, because it's three this year, three next. I think they'll sign yeah. all six. Yeah,
0: Lindgren. Lindgren's a question. I, I do think only because you know you can see the Dan Girardi esque um, mm-hmm. breakdown issues, right? Where where the style of game and the the injuries, right? I mean, clearly they're playing it safe because they know that with him currently, because they know that they're locked into no no lower than third place, probably going to play the Devils, so no reason to rush Lindgren back, especially since he essentially immediately reaggravated yeah. the injury when he came back in that game against Carolina last week. Um, I, I, but the counter argument to that is, you know, Adam Fox has not looked the same now. Now Nico Mikola is probably the least optimal partner for him because he's just, you know, he's reliable on his own end, but he, he is a little bit, I think he's just having problems reading off him and and getting a feel for what his game is. Cause I think Mikola's game is a little bit all over the place. You know, I, I don't mean that in a, in a, It doesn't sound, I don't mean it as bad as it sounds, but you know, look, he's a, he's a bottom pair defenseman. And when you ask him to play more than 18, 19 minutes a game, he gets into the twenties. It becomes challenging for him. So the question becomes fine. If Lindgren is the cap casualty, how are you replacing him? Now you could just do what Rob Luker has been calling for, for two years, which is promote Keandre Miller and make him your top pair left defenseman. And Fox and Miller have had plenty of time together. You know, it's mostly sporadically in games um, and in situational situations in games where the Rangers need a goal or they have a, an advantageous kind of offensive zone start against a tired team off an icing, something like that. Um, But they're dynamic. They, they play really well together. Uh, It's kind of an all offense, no defense required thing because they have the puck the whole time. But um, I, I I would be willing to bet that a Fox Miller pairing long-term would work, but you know, most teams do kind of like the yin and yang of a, uh, especially with somebody as dynamic offensively as Fox, you have the very clear offensive focal point and you have the stay at home, solid shutdown guy, which, which Lindgren is one of the better ones in the league. So um, I'd hate to lose him, but I could, he would be the one name of those six that I see them moving on from
1: to expand on that. Cause I hate that. I hate that you brought up a good point that I didn't want to, Think about his next contract is going to be brutal.
0: Well, it could, right. It could have hit that Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl thing where you're overpaying for a guy whose yep. impacts are limited, right? They're kind of defense only.
1: And it makes you wonder, that is going to be Drury's first, not first real test. That's going to be a huge test for Drury to see what he does. And yeah, we got another year and a quarter of lingering to see what we're going to do. But that's a tough contract he's going to be 26 or 20 he'll he'll be 26 anything more than like 3 4 years you're playing with fire
0: yeah yeah and he will have you know assuming the rangers are a continue to be a perennial playoff team you know he he, he came into the league young he's going to have a lot of miles on him so that would be something to be aware of because he's a good skater now but if he slows down all of a sudden that defensive impact which is is almost all positive i mean he's a very good defensive player um it starts to look like what stall and Girardi looked like at the end of their career by the way I, I he keeps coming up you know he he was on the uh him and his brother uh eric were on the worst persons in the world uh list in hockey this past week for not wearing pride jerseys and then you know they they, they proceeded to just make bonehead play after bonehead play i mean florida is a mess. And mm-hmm. I saw some gifs of Paul Maurice uh, on Wednesday night yelling at his team because they're basically in a do or die game against Toronto trying to crawl into a playoff spot. And, you know, it's just kind of ironic, isn't it, Becky, how those two guys come out as, you know, having beliefs that clash with wearing a rainbow jersey for 12 minutes. And they've basically been the two worst players
1: on their team since.
2: You know, you truly fucking hate to see it. Just such a shame.
1: I so just sad. want to point out that according to them, they never even wore a pride jersey to start.
0: Right? Except there's video
1: of Eric Stahl wearing one in Montreal. <laughs> His jersey was auctioned off. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just.
0: It, but you know. But by the way, I mean, just even let's just put all that not that garbage aside, and and the garbage you know attitudes and behavior of those two aside. The fact that Florida has. Mark Stahl out there a lot with their season on the line, trying to be a playoff team, let alone playoffs, a contender this year. I mean, they fancied themselves a contender. I mean, you know, I, it's just wild to me. I, you know, I mean, we, we watched an absolutely cooked Mark Stahl play for the Rangers for years. And that was like four years ago now. So, you know, it, it's wild how long these guys stick around. Clearly there's some, you know, name recognition and pedigree bias there with the, with the Stahl brothers around the NHL. And, you know, it just goes to show you these, These perceived blind spots that the Rangers have are often shared by a lot of teams around the league. So, um, anyway, nothing but the worst to the Stahl brothers in the rest of their season.
2: (laughs) Rest in piss, Bozo. (laughs) It's i mean they both fucking they, they all got arrested for being like massive jerk-offs at like eric's bachelor party but oh no we can't wear a rainbow because jesus loves us like a oh, fuck off man like it's not even a good argument but that's we could do a whole podcast on
1: yeah. I, I wonder if they shit their pants if they see a rainbow in the sky I oh no mean,
2: the gays are coming oh no <laughs> it's so good though because it's, it's just that it's the white lotus meme like it's just so good it's the gay these gays they're trying to murder me like It's so perfect. It was like made for this for the NHL being a fucking tire fire. It's a tire fire in a burning dumpster down like lava or something. It's just so embarrassing right now. And you know what? Good for Brian Burke, by the way, for coming out and being Mm -hmm. extremely vocal from a leadership position because. They're all the biggest bunch of pussies I've ever
0: met. Connor McDavid, too. Connor McDavid saying something publicly.
2: Really important. Zach Hyman had really good comments. I mean, like, it's there's look, it's it's not not all men, but this these fucking guys. Like (laughs) these fucking guys.
1: These fucking guys are making us happy that the Islanders and the Penguins are gonna hold on to their playoffs. I mean,
2: I also though just still, you all know how much hatred I harbor. I'm a really well balanced individual, I promise, <laughs> but how much I hate Eric Stahl and that they the fucking Rangers brought him over for like essentially a marketing campaign. I, I like I wish nothing but the worst for all of them. And also, like, Mark, shave your fucking beard. Like it's not cute. Stop it.
0: Am yeah, that- not working for you. I mean, Florida's just that's probably. That's probably the team that's underwhelmed the most across the NHL this season. They have been a complete and utter disappointment for the whole the whole year. And, you know, whatever. Like I said,
1: good, good for them. Em.
0: We're good for them or good riddance or get get lost, I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, they might not even beat out Buffalo for first team out of the playoffs. <laughs> right. Well, at this
0: point, they might want to lose some games and get a better draft pick. Anyway, all right. Good yeah. question. That that question about contracts devolved into a uh, a rant about the Stall Brothers, which I think makes for some great podcasting. But uh, let's let's move to the next one.
2: All right. So we have one more question that's like really hockey related, and then we have three more that are just wildly entertaining. <laughs> uh, two are hockey related. And one is just not. Um, so Kevin Spozo two eleven had two questions this week. So the first one is uh, Rank Miller, Laffy, Hedel, Kako, in order of importance to the Rangers, both in the short and Ooh. long term, did the Ooh. signing change your mind on this?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, rank.
2: Kev over here is just, he's always
1: crushing Oh, it man, questions. that's a fantastic question. I hate this question because I hate what I'm going to have to put last. Right. That's what I feel. That's what I'm worried about as well.
2: Well the bot the last, like the last doesn't mean that they're like it's level it's order of importance, but like the le- the least important on this list can still be like the fourth most important, right? To like yeah. the team oh. in
1: general. That's a good question. Fuck, I don't know.
0: So I'll start, Dave. I'll give you some time to formulate a response or something like that. But um I think the two most important are H- Hedl and Miller, and it's because of the positions they play. Now, because good centers are so hard to find, because the Rangers organization is pretty bereft at the center position, I know they've tried to make some efforts in the draft recently to uh, to fix that. I gotta say is the most important, you know, and, and now he's here for four years, so they got him locked up. And he is very clearly a core member of the team and he is part of the win now plan, right? Um, I think second's Keandre Miller. I think that just his unique package uh, and raw skill at that position, right? He's a, he is a potential, um, you know, top pair defenseman. He's already a solidified, legitimate top four defenseman. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Dave, he's putting up, he, he may actually touch the 40 point mark with no power play time. So you, you want to talk about what his potential could be if he was ever given a more expanded offensive role. Probably not going to get it with Adam Fox being such a, an elite power, power play quarterback. But, I mean, hey, look, Brian Leach and Sergey Zubov played on the same team, right? So, we, you know, we can dream. Um, I think Miller's second most important. This is the tough part. I think I'm going to go with Lafreniere's third, and that's only because his ceiling is higher, right? So if you're thinking about which of these players can be a point per game player in the future. Right. Because again, I'm using that kind of succession planning, uh, thought here where, you know, I certainly do not look forward to these days, but eventually Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider are going to be in their mid thirties and they're going to no longer be the core, uh, you know, focal, the, the focal point of this team, even if they might, you know, play out their contracts, hopefully they'll kind of take, you know, slightly, uh, Less, uh, you know, less prominent roles so that that the younger players can kind of come into the come into those positions. And I'm looking at between laugh and Kako, you know, who's more likely to be a point per game guy, right? When the Rangers really need one of their young players to step up and be that, I think it's Lafreniere. Um, I think he just has more dynamic offensive ability. Obviously, he needs to work on, he needs to refine. I would say his skating. He needs to kind of add some explosiveness and a little bit more. Um, you know, a little bit more to his game from that standpoint. But, you know, he has been a very confident player the last couple of months. He scored a peach of a goal against Florida last weekend. And uh, he flashes that ability more and more, you know, and especially the comfort he's had playing with the kid line, I think allows that ability to come out. But, you know, I, I do see kind of a potential 30, 35 goal, you know, 35 goal, 45 assist type guy, right? That would get you to 80 points. About a point per game. I think he could be that in this league if he puts it all together. I don't think Kako ever gets there from a, uh, you know, a ceiling scoring wise. So he's fourth on the list for me, but that is certainly no slight to Kako because you need that type of player on your team. uh, You know, if you're going to be a contender, he is, he does, does it all in a top six role. He's a, you know, potentially elite three zone player, but he just doesn't put up the scoring numbers.
1: So I am going to take an approach of a longer term outlook Because Rob, it sounded like yours is more of a short term next two to three years
0: in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think it's fair to say
1: I'm going to go long-term just to change it up a little bit. Heedle is still number one depth at center wins. Every Stanley cup champion has three very good centers at the very least. Heedle's still one. Um, I'm going to go laugh as too. Because when this core is ready to transition away from Panarin and Kreider, Lafreniere is your top left wing and your top scoring guy. You need him to be able to put up the same numbers that Panarin is putting up. And that's a, you know what, you need him to be able to put some kind of 30 goals, 70-point season together. I'm not going to say Panarin numbers. That's just not fair. Uh, you need him to do that. You need the scoring to come from somewhere, especially as Panarin gets to 33, 34. Kreider gets to 35, 36. You need Laugh to start stepping up and taking top power play time and top-line responsibilities and shift Kreider to what will eventually be his home on the third line. If you do that, the transition period from Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad to Hedal, Kaka, Laff is easier to manage. Yep. Then I'll do Miller. Then I'll do Miller. Okay. Miller should be with Fox now. He's the best left-handed defenseman on the team. I'm not putting him at two only because the Rangers need scoring. And it has to come from their number one overall pick, and then Kakos fourth on the list, just because of right wing depth. Actually, they have no right wing depth. That I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, they had to trade for two of them. Yeah, they had neither to trade of them is here. <laughs> but no, but tier, I think just looking at it stylistically, Dave, it's a, and, and again the lack of. We just know he's the probably lack of not going to ever score forty goals in this league.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the lack of points, but he'll, he's a solid second line third line right winger but it does look like what we get now which is 15 goals 40 points it's not his ceiling but it may be close to his average
0: yeah I mean he just reminds me so much and I could look up his stats now but Valerie Nishushkin who played a huge part in Colorado's you know Stanley Cup win last year and he's still a very important player for them he's actually been hurt uh, quite a bit this year, which I think is a big part of the reason they have not been as strong this season. But if you look at Nishushkin's career numbers, I just pulled them up. His career high in goals is 25, but that was last year and the previous seasons. Uh, he, he came in the league in, in 2013, 2014, 14 goals, 34 points. He missed the whole season in 14, 15, but then nine goals, 20 assists, 29 points. That was 15, 16. He did not score a goal in 57 games in the 1819 season, but then he went to Colorado. 13 goals, 14 assists, 27. But so again, no, not nothing flashy or or particularly uh, good, frankly, in that in that uh in, in those stat lines. But then the last two years of Colorado, he had 52 points in 62 games last year, and he's been banged up this year, but he has 43 points, 16 goals, 27 assists in 44 games. So he actually has become a point per game player. In what is this his? eighth season in the league. So, you know, look, you you never want to say never with a guy like Kako either, but even if his ceiling is like you said, Dave, 50 points, 55 points, he would, he, he still will be a hugely valuable uh, piece of this team moving forward. I just think, you know, in the interest of this question, he kind of is fourth on the list for both of us. I would agree with that.
2: Okay. All right. in, in the interest of time, I'm not answering this because it's not directionally too different. I think Kako is more important than both of you are suggesting, but I also think that they're all really important. So, um, Okay. So now on to the more uh, entertainment-specific questions. So <laughs> Jess, Jessica in 312 asks, Do you think Mika gets jealous because Christopher is a whore and decides to hug everyone on the team now? (laughs) What
0: the... He does have a special hug or handshake for everybody. He does. What if if
1: he's into it?
2: Who votes he? What
1: what if, you know, Mika's into it? uh, You know, Kreider, you know... Like watching, you mean. Yeah. What if he's got like a little voyeurism in him? I can see it.
2: I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know this is unhinged
0: don't blame us I, <laughs> I, I, can't, even I on, can't even go, go there honest. also this is what happens when you know look Mika's married right he's kind of into the uh, serious part of life and baby I, on the way and... I think
2: Kreider's been in a relationship like a long term relationship for like many 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 years
0: Well, th- then why hasn't he made uh, an honest woman out of his long
1: time
2: Maybe, <laughs> maybe marriage isn't what they want to do
1: yeah. That, that, or maybe they're married want and they the legally just, binding contract
2: Maybe they're married and they just didn't tell anyone.
1: Also possible. Maybe they had These a hockey players all in have good weddings
0: though. I don't know. I don't buy that. These hockey players love they love their summer yeah, weddings do. in exotic locations. It's true. They
1: do. Yeah, they can't afford it too, so. Good good mm-hmm. on them.
2: Um I think I think that Mika might be a little upset, but I think it's just Kreider acting out because he's going to have a baby the same way a toddler acts out when (laughs) they're going to have a baby in the house. So,
0: Oh God. I could see it. Yep. Christopher's not going to be getting as much attention soon. (laughs) He's not. He's not. Great Uh, question. Thank you, Jess.
2: Great question. Spazo again. Second question is what's the worst Jersey purchase you have ever made? And I will die. Can you top Peter Pruka? That's directed at you, Dave, I think.
1: Is that actually directed at me, or is that just he has a Pruka jersey? Because I have a Pruka jersey. I don't don't think think that's a a a bad 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 jersey. jersey. Neither do I. I don't think it's a bad jersey. I mean, Also, I
2: oddly know his number, like, forever. And I, I don't know how many of them, but 25 for life.
0: Uh, is I have a, I have a quick, uh, point of clarification. Is this confined to hockey or can we go to other sports?
2: I would assume it's hockey, but I think that for the sake of whatever, we should just, just expand it. Just let's go, baby. Let's get nuts.
0: Okay. So then I'll go. Cause this is, this is like, if you want to hear sacrilege from somebody who is a, this is, I'm going to football now. Obviously I'm a lifelong diehard in the truest sense of the term jet fan. I owned, and you have to bear in mind the circumstances here, right, as a young child with early interest in aesthetics, right, and the f- football jerseys were cool, and the kids wore them to school all the time, and you saw oh, all no. the different teams, right? I had a New England Patriots oh, drew, fuck Bled- yourself. drew Bledsoe jersey. You, you could kiss yeah. the darkest part of my ass.
2: That's embarrassing, Rob. I didn't Isn't
0: that. That, that. Well, there you go. That's That's the worst jersey I owned, and so I think I've answered the question.
2: That might yeah, that is the worst jersey I've yeah.
0: ever heard in my life. Yep. yep. Yes. That it was the one with the um the flying Elvis head on the shoulders. You, you go Google image of Drew Bledsoe in a Patriots jersey from the mid 90s. Um pre Tom Brady obviously I never owned anything Tom Brady, thankfully. Uh no 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 mistakes of my youth that bad. But yeah, no, I had a Drew Bledsoe New England Patriots jersey, and now I'll kindly see myself out.
1: <laughs> Rob, you fired.
2: Goodbye, Rob.
0: Can either of you top that? I mean, yeah, who I who the a fuck Kevin is Hayes topping jersey? Drew Bledsoe? What'd you say, Becky?
2: I have a Kevin Hayes jersey, but like that was that's not a, a bad that's... jersey at the time.
0: No, but it's it is retroactively hilarious that you have you have do you yeah. still have it in the house?
2: Mm, no, has that been
0: ritually sacrificed yet?
2: No, I think we got rid of it. And so, what's so disappointing is that they used to make the really good women's jerseys, and like they don't make them anymore since. Not this switch, but, like, the last switch to whatever manufacturer. Paul Klatt's going to kick my ass if he listens <laughs> to this because he knows this, like, back of his hand. But um, they used to have the really good women's jerseys, and now it's, like, trash. Um, and that one just fit really, really well. Um, and, you know, if in case people are like, well, what what's the difference in a women's jersey? Is it pink? Like, no, it's not fucking pink. It just is made for a, a body that's not like gross man body. So anyway. <laughs> um, So yeah, I think that was a pretty bad Jersey though. That's a pretty bad Jersey. I have, I have a Don Moore heritage that I still have. That's a great Jersey. No, that's, that's a great, great Jersey. jersey. Don great Moore jersey.
1: is, he's a national treasure, even though he's yeah. not our nation.
2: He, Forget he's, about a, it. he's a, he's a continental treasure.
1: Yes. Agreed. Forget a booty. Best yeah. commercial ever.
2: Dave, do you have one, or can we go to the not have. Final?
1: I was never a Jersey guy, although I did purchase at one point in my life an O.J. McDuffie rookie card when he was a receiver with the Dolphins. I
2: thought you were going with a different O.J. there.
1: I do not <laughs> own anything O.J. Simpson. An O.J. Simpson right. USC jersey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or Buffalo Bills
1: jersey. I think I had a Jerry Rice jersey. But that's a good one. Is Just, he the one Briggs. who killed a guy? No, no that's Ray Lewis. Oh. Or Brick. Or <laughs> Brick. <laughs>
2: um, okay, right. cool. Last the, question. Last, the last question, I actually don't know. So this is directed at me from our spreadsheet friend, Statminer. Um, and I don't know, Dave, if you can answer because I don't know if you're a fan, but favorite Seinfeld episode. Please provide retrospective sociopathy in your answers. So, Dave, are you a Seinfeld guy?
1: No, I never watched Seinfeld. I have no desire to watch Seinfeld. I could not care less about Seinfeld. That's
2: the wrong answer. You could have just said no, I know it's the wrong okay. answer.
1: Yeah, I, I know it's the wrong answer. I Whatever. All
2: I'll right, well, email. I've been thinking about this one a lot since this question came in four hours ago with a brief break for, you know, the heat news. I can't, I can't give a favorite episode, but I will give a series of three of my favorite episodes and I will include why they are so insane. So the first one that I love is the jerk store one, which is called the comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, in which George, uh, George, it's the jerk store, so like the the shrimp called, they're running out of you, like the, the ocean called, they're running out of shrimp because he's eating all the shrimp cocktail. And then it's he goes to the jerk store called, and they're running out of you. And like George has his like meltdown, he's like, Jerk store is the line. Hilarious, also hilarious in that episode because Elaine has uh, an emotional relationship with someone from a video store, RIP Blockbuster. <laughs> And my, one of my favorite lines in all of Seinfeld is, "Gene's trash. And then he cuts to the guy she's talking to and he goes, I'm Jean. It's just very good. <laughs> so there's that one. Then there's the wink, which is just insane because they talk about pulp moving, flying across the diner table and just like getting into George's eye and he keeps winking at people the whole time. And it's hilarious. And I know, Rob, you like that one because of the mutton.
0: I sure do just to salad. salad's got nothing on this mutton. One but of my I, favorite lines.
2: I think if we were going based on <clears throat> pure psychosis, we have to go with the limo one. Where,
0: that is the best one. Where they
2: pick they I don't even remember who if they oh the they were picking like Jerry up from the from the airport or something George was picking him up and like they decide to just like take a limo service.
0: Yeah, they were going to they jump in someone else's car service, somebody named O'Brien.
2: So they're in O'Brien's car service and they find out that they're going to like the garden for and they're like, oh, the Knicks are playing the Bulls. And like, this is so big. And it turns out that this O'Brien person is a full blown Nazi who's going to like read his manifesto to like fans or whatever at like the theater next to msg or whatever yeah, it's
0: basically a charlottesville type event happening uh, at msg
2: <laughs> it is probably it's unhinged it's completely unhinged i feel like it can't happen today Although maybe it kind of like it's always sunny can do it or something like that but like hmm. just like network tv like not even network that was like out there that was nbc right like
0: yeah, it was broad yeah broad no broadcast wouldn't go near this would be way too uh yeah Edgy, for yeah. for current broadcast TV, I think
2: just outstanding, and and just like the subtleties in that episode, when he's reading like the the book or like the manifesto or whatever, he's just like it's just so it's so good, it's just excellent. So, Dave, if you ever do want to broaden your horizons, we've got recommendations. You would enjoy I, it,
1: Rob. Do you I, have I, one? I probably would, but I just don't. I don't have the time.
2: I mean, it's no Ted Lasso, but what can
0: be? Uh, there's an episode called the yada yada, but really, the one, um, the 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 main plot point of this one is that Brian Cranston's character, who's the reoccurring side character on Seinfeld, the dentist Tim Watley, uh, converts to Judaism for the jokes, and Jerry is offended by that, not as a Jew, but as a comedian, as he says. Um, <laughs> there's just a, a lot of classic exchanges, including one where. Kramer calls Jerry an anti dentite and then there's actually some more really uh, edgy humor that kind of closes the episode out I'm not going to recite the joke here so there's that one and then there's one more I I, I can't find the title of it but um, Kramer paints over the, uh, the the lines on a highway and, and, and basically basically like uh, turns it in turns like a four lane highway into a two lane highway but he uses <laughs> like black turpentine and and uh, it ends up happening that the final scene is newman the, the the another great recurring character played by wayne knight the mailman hello newman that whole thing he drives over the lines but like uh, he drives over something and it's creating a bunch of sparks and eventually lights his mail truck on fire and he's like singing once twice three times a lady <laughs> as, the, as the mail truck bursts into flames and it's, it's probably the loudest i've ever that's literally how the episode closes like it's it's Wayne Knight screaming that song at the top of his lungs as his truck lights on fire. Uh, and, um, that's probably the loudest I've laughed at a, at a broadcast, you know, te- television show. The first time I saw that episode, I was like on the floor. So, um, and that always stuck with me. And I, every time it's on, uh, we watch reruns quite frequently here. Uh, great episode. So anyway, thank you to stat minor for bringing that one up. And, uh, you know, Dave, maybe we'll get you watching a Seinfeld episode in the uh, not too distant future. We'll see. We'll see. How about if the Rangers don't hit 120 points this year? You have to watch one episode of Seinfeld.
1: How about if I have time? Because like you guys, I have a number two on the way and I don't know what time I'm going to have any time, you know, so we'll see is my best answer.
0: Speaking of which, we've been uh, at it for uh, well over an hour here, so any final thoughts on the Rangers, especially as they uh, head into a crucial metropolitan, metropolitan division matchup against New Jersey?
1: Just I win, no, baby. Yeah. I, I have no Rangers thoughts, but I do want to just say, uh, JL, our thoughts are with you. Uh, sorry to, about your dog for those who didn't see it on Twitter um, you know, our thoughts are with you on that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jay, i know you're going through a tough time right now, but, um, you know, we look forward to having you back, uh, back with us next week. Um, and you know, hope you're doing well, but, uh, as always, we appreciate everybody, uh, you know, tuning into the show. Uh, we are always available on, uh, on iTunes and Spotify, live from the blue seats, interact with us on Twitter, send us some questions for next week and, uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks all.